so we're a few days into the retreat now, and let's just do a little bit of a recap about how we're practicing, just that we know what we're doing is quite useful. Um, we began by introducing the, the invitation, the instruction to establish mindfulness in the body breathing. I really want to stress this, the body breathing. You know, I think whenever we sort of throw out an object of meditation as a possibility, uh, this mind just loves to contract around it and do it right and, uh, you know, kind of isolates the breathing above everything else. Now, this is not in the service of concentration. Please be clear about this. There's quite a big difference between concentration and an inner collectedness and integration. You know, the difference is, of course, that concentration is really not interested in anything else except its chosen object, the breath. Whereas this inner unification, this collectedness we're encouraging, it's responsive, it, it, it's not defensive, it knows when the attention has been drawn elsewhere and is curious about where it has been drawn doesn't linger there, doesn't dwell, doesn't build on it, but is curious about where the attention has gone. Because this is where the stuff of insight lies. This is where we begin to discover our patterning. This is where we begin to see you know, the, the repetition of, of psychological habits. This is where the stuff of insight lies. So please have that distinction in mind very clearly. Um, you know, in a concentration practice, we would be much more just, no matter where we go, we just return, 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 we yank our attention back. And if we're a little bit insecure about, uh, you know, about how our concentration, we might start doing things like controlling our breathing or, you know, pranayama or, you know, counting heavily. So if you're doing any of that, would you please give it up now just as a sort of... <laughs> A gift to your neighbors, especially controlled breathing is really, you know, I lived in a community for many years watching somebody else's breath. Um, and, and, you know, I got, got used to it after a while, but, you know, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't that terrific. So we spoke about mindfulness of the body breathing. This is the intro in the Satipatthana discourse. Breathing in, calming the formations. Breathing out, calming the formations. So there's a real intention here of calming everything that is agitated. Calming everything that is agitated. So you can sense in this mindfulness of the body breathing is not an end in itself. It is bringing in one of the components of stillness beginning to calm everything that is agitated. There is an intention in there. So now we've spoken about, begun to, to expand much more, to be mindful of the body. First instruction, to know the body as the body. To know the body as the body. We spend a lot of time with this. We don't leave this. We are, we are embodied human beings or we're endeavoring to be embodied human beings. You know, which means actually we need to reclaim this body. We need to reclaim this body into the field of our attention to establish mindfulness, whether sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. In the early years of my own practice, I practiced in a style that was very 
very somatically focused, you know, doing a lot of uh, body scanning, body sweeping. And there were real markers in that style of progress, you know, and I was a good student, you know, so I hit all the markers, you know, checked them all off. Uh, and there was a real, I came to a point where I realized I wasn't learning anything. I was really good at the technique, but wasn't actually learning anything. That's interesting to me, how we can be very good at a technique and really low down on the scale of learning. And it took me some time to realize, you know, to really begin to question, well, what am I meant to be learning while I'm hanging out for all these hours in the body, you know, being aware of sensations? What am I meant to be learning here? A lot. As, a, as, as you mentioned, everything there is to be learned is learned within the length of this body. There's a number of ways this is approached in the Satipatthana Sutta to be aware of the body from the top of the head to the tips of our toes, uh, to be aware of the elements in the body, to be aware of all of the body parts. There, uh, there's a lot of practices in the Satipatthana around body mindfulness that we, we actually don't really touch upon very much because I never really had the impression that people were that interested in hanging around for hours contemplating their liver. Um, so we actually don't touch it, but, but it's there. It's very much there in the discourse, okay? But to explore these ways of being with the body, do we, do we actually sit with the body, you know, moving our attention through the body is actually a useful practice. You get to know the range of sensations. You know? um, sitting with the whole body, feeling the contact points of the body. So you can see we're not fixated just on this one aspect of the body, the body breathing. You know, sitting with the, the, the body touching the ground, feeling the groundedness, the earth, earthiness. We can move our attention through the sense doors, you know. Seeing, hearing, you know, when we're sitting, when we're walking, seeing, hearing particularly is very there. We can feel the body breathing. Now, it's not a right way or a wrong way. It's actually just exploring this body as the body and to look at what we are learning. This instruction to know the body as the body is... is, is is a refrain that runs through the entire Satipatthana, and there is much in that simple statement. Because we contemplate the body, of course, through our lives, and as we get older, we do collective contemplations of the body with our dentist and, and you know, our gynecologist, and you know, we have shared contemplations. But we usually we usually contemplate the body through the eyes of self, don't we? And my body, my body. Sometimes we contemplate the body through the eyes of aversion. You know, it's sometimes useful to spend just a few mindful moments in front of the mirror in the morning. See what eyes you see the body through. I'm not encouraging you to be narcissistic, by the way. But just to see what eyes we see the body through. Looking good. Now, where did that hair come from? No, not looking so great today. You can see that how selfing is so embedded in the body in ways we often don't notice until something goes amiss. Then we really notice. Panic stations. We learn to con it's a, contemplating the body as the body is actually the first step in decentering or disidentifying. To know the body as the body, to know the body as a process. Not a thing. 
This is process country. The changing nature of the landscape of sensation in the body, that nothing is static. We learn about the difference between the actuality of the body and our story about the body, and this is a training for our life, because we have a story about pretty much everything, often far removed from the actuality. So this is our, one of our big pieces of learning, you know, that, that my story about my back is not the same as what's going on in my back. My story about my appearance is not about who I am. We learn to um, begin to sense the moodedness registering in the body. Oh, the body of sadness. Oh, the body of anxiety. Oh, in the body of contractedness. Oh, the body of wakefulness. Oh, the body of balance. We begin to sense the, the way that mind states are registering in the body, and we begin to explore what this this word, this this the reality of Vedana that Akinchana was speaking about last night. This hedonic tone of experience becomes very very clear to us within the body. That which is pleasant, that which is unpleasant, that which is neither. Not a problem. Hmm? Not a problem. This is the nature of sensation within the body. It has a hedonic tone. It has a Vedana tone. I want to almost encourage you to incorporate that word because it, 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 it's, it's, it is hard to translate. You know, I, I'm, yeah. So we begin to sense this within the body. Oh, pleasantness. Oh, unpleasantness. Oh, that which is neither. This is true within all sensory impressions. Touch us with a Vedana tone. It's preverbal. It's preverbal. It's not a problem. It will always be the nature of being an awake human being interfacing with the world. It is given such emphasis in Buddhist psychology. And Yuka will speak about this much more tonight, but it is such a key piece of mindfulness to begin to notice the Vedana tone of experience, the Vedana tone of the thoughts, the sounds, the sensations, the taste, the sights, to begin to notice the pleasant, the unpleasant, and that which is neither. It's actually coming very close to the beginning of where we start to build and fabricate our world of experience. Not a problem that there's a Vedana tone. We're not seeking to have homogenous Vedana tones. Uh, there's, there's no ethical imprint in the Vedana tones. It just is. So where does the difficulty arise? Because there seems to be almost a hotline between Vedana tones and underlying patterns. We're moving towards the pleasant before we've even, even registered as pleasant. We're moving away from the unpleasant so automatically, so quickly. We're just kind of spacing out and ignoring that which is neither pleasant nor unpleasant or it becomes a trigger for looking for something that's more pleasant. We live so much of our lives in this kind of pendulum swing, 
Inne. More pleasant, less unpleasant, erasing or, or just ignoring that which is neither. It's, there's a wonderful quote, uh, Marcus Aurelius. He says, you know, we dance through life like puppets on the ends of the strings of our impulses. And, and that sounds very dismissive in a way, but we see how much automatic reactivity is actually built around Vedna tone. Now, this is one of the great keys of mindfulness, is actually one of the great primary tasks of mindfulness, is actually to sever the link between Vedana tone and the underlying pattern of reactivity. It's one of the key jobs of mindfulness. Because as long as that link is so automatic and so um, embedded, we are actually just living, almost feeling imprisoned by those ongoing impulses of rejection pursuit, pushing away, seeking to grab that which is pleasant. In severing that link between Vedana tone and underlying patterns, there becomes a capacity for skillful responsiveness. doesn't mean we become inert, you know, but there, there arises a capacity for knowing what is needed, what is helpful. So we often don't notice that, that, that linkage between Vedna tone and the reactivity. We often do notice just the reactivity. You know, we, we don't think about, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm discontented and I don't like what's going on. We're already opening the fridge wasn't a plan, wasn't a choice. We're always just opening the fridge. So we don't think about it, so we're just pushed in a sense by it. So what we might begin to notice in the practice today, just as a curiosity, by the way, not as a, not as a judgment, not as a, a project, but start to begin to attune yourself to those moments of, of you know, uh, suddenly impulsively moving towards, moving away from. Moving towards, moving away from. There's a lot of opportunities here. I mean, although there's not a whole lot going on here, there's plenty of opportunities to see craving and aversion. Mm-hmm. Um, begin to notice when that is, is pushing us. And what do we do? Well, you know, sometimes we learn to pause. Sometimes we just learn to pause. We, we take, a, we take a, an out-breath. We learn just to be still a little bit and to see what it is to actually step out of those, those very conditioned patterns of wanting, not wanting, and how they manifest behaviorally in our life. It's learning to pause for a moment. Okay, again, this is not a project. We don't leave the body breathing behind. Um, but as our attention is drawn away from, from the body breathing to a thought, a sound, sensation, might just begin holding as a background intention, ah, what is the Vedana tone here? Just, begin, just beginning to notice that. Okay, let's take some time to sit. <clears throat>
So establishing the present moment recollection. Inhabiting the body with mindfulness. Inhabiting this moment with mindfulness, with curiosity, with wakefulness. Sensitive to the life of the body. Attuned to the moments of departure. Simply knowing where our attention lands. And being able to return to the body of this moment.
So can you can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, this is another period of walking meditation or movement meditation, um, and I just would like to encourage you to really practice the continuity, the steadiness of awareness. To really just. Um, give yourself to this practice um, in, a, in a way that, you know, doesn't stop and then begin again, but try to just know that even if this meditation ends right now, the sitting meditation, it's just another moment to be aware of. And we get up, we move, maybe we use the bathroom, and it's just another thing that we can include in our mindfulness practice. And I'm well aware that sometimes uh, this kind of walking meditation can feel a little bit tedious or boring, that we ask ourselves what's the point of it, that we lack the inspiration to do it, um, because it feels a little bit monotonous maybe. And I find it interesting what John Cage once said. Maybe you know this quote. It's quite a famous quote. He said, If something is boring after two minutes, try it for four. If still boring, then eight. Then 16. Then 32. Eventually, one discovers that it is not boring at all. And he really points to something very important here, that when something is boring, maybe something has not been seen yet, something has not been discovered yet. We simply haven't developed the eyes to see what is there. And when we want to go deeper, we just have to have the the steadiness and the, the willingness just to stay with something until it will unfold to us. And the Dharma is very much, it works in this way. It takes a lot of willingness to stay, to be there, to keep going. Just, you know, be with what is there and trusting that if we do this, if we have this steadiness, the practice can unfold and we can start to find or discover things that we didn't see because we were too restless before, too superficial. So in actually in whatever field of our life, if we want to get better, we just have to keep doing it. And in this way, we develop the, uh, an inner stability and uh, strength and we develop a momentum of mindfulness that can build up. And also something that we can bring in if it feels boring is really this Dharma lens, you know, what Christina spoke about, to becoming aware of the process nature of everything, to become aware of Vedana, of hedonic tone. Um, if we can step out of the normal way of looking that is always around what does it mean about me, about my st story, my identification, and just put on the lenses of the Dharma and explore another way of being with our experience. We can really tune into this 
deeper, uh, liberating way of seeing, becoming aware of how fleeting a step really is, how fleeting an uh, impression of heat is. So becoming aware of impermanence, for instance, noticing Vedana, noticing the reactivity. And this can bring up more interest. It can um, make this walking meditation or actually all the moments of our days, whether you are using a bathroom or eating, um, it can make everything a, a field of exploration. So just wanted to encourage you to try a different way of being with the experience and really make a good use of this day because we are really in the midst of this retreat and I hope that you have settled in by now and that there is enough stillness and patience there that we can become more sensitive and look more deeply. So just two announcements. Um, first of all, there will be sign-ups again, as you may have seen. So please make use if you have you know, any question around your practice, if you come across something where you feel it would be helpful to have some support. And um, from today on, I guess, Louis is going to offer a chair yoga session each day. Or not each day? Um, at 3 p.m. in the welcome room. So if any of you feel like you would like to have this kind of chair yoga instruction by Louis, you're very welcome to come to the welcome room at 3 p.m. And um, maybe just a reminder that those of you who have a group right now that you leave the hall first and that we meet for our group interviews. Thank you. <laughs>